Yes, what is it? Got It is in there. <laughs> I know it. Makes you feel dumb. That's why I tell that's why I tell the teachers at school, I said don't ask me anything in front of the children. That's right. I don't want to. I don't want him to know. I don't know something. <laughs> I reckon we can go ahead and get started. It's seven oh three, so I, we, we can go ahead and uh, get started here. And uh, somebody else walks in, and they'll they'll just walk in. That'd be good. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for the opportunity that we have uh, each week to come together to study your word for a period of time and to, uh, to come together as a body of believers and, and bring our prayers before you, knowing that you uh, hear those prayers and you know about them before we even bring them to you. We thank you, Lord, again for the opportunity we have. and We just pray that you would bless this time that we have together. By the power of your spirit, give us an understanding of the scripture that we read and study tonight. Help us to apply it in our lives that we can be better servants for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, I want to speak just a few minutes uh, on, I guess, what, what I'm calling living a life of, of faith. And I want to speak out of uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 for just a few minutes. But before we get there and read that scripture, I want to tell you kind of how, how I got there uh, thought-wise. We recently had... Uh, a Sunday school lesson out of the book of Daniel. And uh, King Belshazzar uh, was the, the character of that lesson. And there was a, an interesting verse in the scripture that we read, and we made one point out of that, or I made one point from this verse to my students. Uh, and it was the fact that uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who had come before Belshazzar, had uh, done the very same things that Belshazzar had done. And he was guilty of the very same things that had been done previously 
And even though he knew this, he committed the same sin, which was uh, that of pride. But that of pride. I want to start, and you don't have to turn there. You can if you want to, but I'm going to start in chapter 5 of Daniel, and I'm going to read verses 18 through 22 just to kind of lead into where we're going, okay? And I'm going to make the same point to you that I made uh, with my Sunday school class. Daniel said to the king in verse 18, he says, O king, the most high God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. And because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished, he killed. Whomever he wished, he spared alive. And whomever he wished, he elevated. And whomever he wished, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he believed arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind and his heart was made like that of beast and his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the most high God is ruler over the realm of mankind, and that he sets over it whomever he wishes. Verse 22 is the key verse. It says, Yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. And I'm going to stop right there. Uh, and that wasn't the only point in the, the Sunday school lesson, obviously, but that was kind of one of the points that I drove home to him was, um, what, a, what a privilege it is, what an honor we have uh, to be able to, to learn from those who come before us, to recognize not only the, the good that they've done, to recognize not only uh, those things, but also the mistakes they've made. And we can not only learn from what those, whether it be parents, grandparents, whomever, older siblings, we can not only learn from the things that, that we see the good in them, but we can also learn from uh, mistakes that they've made. We, we can... If we can, if we have enough, I guess, wisdom, you say, to, to learn from something someone else has done so that we don't have to repeat that ourselves and go through the same thing that they went through. And I thought, what a shame that, that he knew all this, but yet he repeated the same mistake that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar did. So that point kind of led me to uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews, which I, I think is... You correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's sometimes called the, the Hall of Faith. Is that correct? And the point I made there to uh, my Sunday school class again was not only do we have uh, examples in our own lives, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, siblings, teachers, whoever, examples to look at in our own life, the Bible is full of stories and examples of of. of I guess we'll call them characters, of people who have lived a life of faith and also people who've made a lot of mistakes. So the Bible's full of, of, of examples that we can look at and we can learn from and we can grow from. And hopefully by seeing that, we're able to take uh, those things that we recognize in the lives of these people and apply them in our life, whether it be good or whether it be learning from the mistakes they made, just like Belshazzar should have done from looking at Nebuchadnezzar. So anyway, 
tonight I want to look just a few minutes from Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 and talk just, like I say, just a few minutes about living a life of faith. Now chapter, chapter 11, we're not going to read all that. Uh, I'm going to pick up at, at verse 32 and go through verse 41. And the reason I'm picking up there is I, I, I like what, what the author here says. He goes through example after example of people of faith and how we can look at these people of faith and says, you know, consider so-and-so and consider Abraham and consider Moses and consider Sarah. And then he gets to a point after naming so many in verse 32. I, I, I like the way it's worded, and I'll pick up there and read to the end of the chapter. It says, And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, I think that's Japheth. Is that right? Japheth. And David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead from, by resurrection, and others were tortured not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world were not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And I'll stop right there. Uh, going back to where I began in verse 32, like I said, I, I like the way that it was worded there. He had already named several uh, people of faith, and then he said, listen, what more should I say? Time, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to tell all the stories of the, of the people uh, in, in the Bible. They started naming people off and the things they had done and all this. And, and, and my point there uh, is, is this. Again, I'm going to repeat what I said. The Bible is full of examples of people of faith. That if we'll just open it up and we'll read it, so often we ask questions about, uh, you know, does the Bible speak about this? Does it? Can it help me in this situation in my life? Can it help me here? Well, absolutely. It may not always jump out and say exactly the words you're looking for, but you look at the examples of the people who have lived their life, and you look at the examples of, of what happens when they live humbly, what happens when they live by faith, and also what happens when, when they refuse to humble themselves, when they live by pride or, or self-centeredness. We have such a privilege now that we have Scripture that we can read and we can see these examples that are set. And the point I want to make tonight is this, uh, and we'll pick up in, in chapter 12. How do we tie into this? How do we tie in now to, to being a person, a man or a woman of faith, and doing the same thing that's going to be mentioned here in chapter 12, and that is being, being a witness to those who come behind us? And I love that song, um, Miss Teresa sings it uh, sometimes. Um, what, what's the name of it? Help, help me out here. Yeah, that's right. Find us faithful. 
And, and that, that song ties right in with, with chapter 12 here, uh, where it says, Now, and I'm going to pick up there, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, referring back to all those we just, just mentioned, now since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, what are we to do? Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the question is simple. What do we do? What do we do? And the answer is this. We run. We run. We live our life in such a way that those that come behind us are able to look at us as the same way we look at these people of faith, and they recognize our faithfulness and the life that we've lived and we become a witness to those who come behind us. That's our, that's our challenge. That's, that's the word of encouragement for us is to say, we see all this, now what do we do? Well, we do the same thing we see here. We run. We run our race. We live our lives to the best of our ability. And I want to talk just a little bit about verse, verse 1 mainly. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, and, and Allison helped me here, she, she found some commentary from, I believe it was John Piper. And I, I liked the way he worded some of these questions uh, about the view of this. And picking up on verse 1, um, the main point there is that we should, we should run. Not wander about aimlessly, not loaf. <laughs> we should run. We should run. And run with purpose. And so often you see in Scripture where we have analogies related to athletics. And this is another one where you have a race. And a race is run with a purpose. A race is not something that people jog in. It's not something that you walk in or loaf or just kind of wander about. There's a finish line. And you are busting it to get to that finish line. And you don't want anything in your way, anything to hinder you from running that race. It's the same thing with swimming. They, you can see those swimmers. They, they shave their heads. They wear these caps. They don't want anything holding them back, nothing holding them back. They're running a race. They're swimming a race. Whatever it might be, the goal is to win that race. And the, the visual here is given where it says, let us lay aside every encumbrance. I, I think another way of saying that is some translations, I think, say let us lay aside every weight, any obstacle, anything that's going to be in our way. And I read a little bit of that commentary uh, before coming here, and, and there were some questions that, that I thought were interesting. I, I think this is, I agree, I think it's the right way of, of looking at it. Verse 1 not only refers to sin that entangles us, it refers also to uh, things that weigh us down, weight. And so often, uh, the race of the Christian life is, is not run well when we ask this question. And I, I think so often we ask this question. I know growing up, I, I, all of us do, and even as adults we probably do. To run our Christian life so often we ask, is it okay to do this? Is this, now is this sin? Is this okay? Can I, is it okay for a Christian to do this? The, the issue with that question, not that that's necessarily a bad question, but the issue with that question is I think a lot of times the motive behind that question is, is this okay for me to do and get away with? Can, is God going to be mad if I do this? Yeah, I mean, is this, 
is this okay? And normally when you ask that question, you, you already know, no, it's not. It's not. That's right. But there are things that, that within our lives, and I'm not going to name any, I'm sure we all could name a pile of them, that, that are not necessarily condemned by Scripture, but are things that could weigh us down. They are things that could entangle us. They are things that I guess could be considered as an obstacle or a weight. So the question, and I'm taking this here from the, from the commentary, the, a better question rather than is this wrong or is this sin would be, does it help me run my race? Is this something that would help me run my race or is it something that's going to hinder me from running my race? That's a better question I think to look at rather than is it wrong? What are people going to think about this? The better question is, is this going to hinder me from running my race for Christ? And if it is, that's a weight. That's an obstacle. That's something that gets in the way of our path in that race. And again, the objective in the race is to run and to win. So one of the points we take away from tonight is this. New Year's is coming up, and I know everybody on New Year's always likes to uh, make New Year's resolutions. Um, and not that I'm encouraging that, but I'm just saying it's always, I don't care if it's New Year's or whatever, it's always good for us, for any of us, to sit down and be honest and examine ourselves and, and see, are there things in my life that's hindering me from running my race? Are there things in my life that are weighing me down? Not necessarily are these sinful things, are these things that are condemned by Scripture, but are these things that are keeping me from being what God's called me to be? Is it a hindrance in my race? That's a better question to me, and I, I think. So, as we plan for that, let's not only look at that and think about what are the things that, that hinder me, what are the things that, that are in my way? But let's, let's, also, let's also think about how can we be an example of faith to those who come behind us, whether it be our child, whether it be our grandchild, whether it be a, a relative, whether it be a student, whoever it might be. We have a great responsibility to be uh, a person of faith, an example of faith wherever we might be. And hopefully, hopefully as we live our life out, we can... We can repeat what Paul said in Philippians, and I don't want to misquote it, but Philippians chapter 4, he basically said, listen, the things that you have heard and seen in me, he was bold enough to say, the things that you have heard me say and seen me do, you think on these things and you do those things. That's, that's the man to me that's, that's bold enough to say, hey, I'm confident enough in the life that I live that you can, you can look at me and say, I want you to do what I'm doing. I want you to live the way I'm living. I want you to think on these things, and I want you to follow my example. Now, hopefully all of us can say that same thing, that we can, we can speak to our uh, children, to our grandchildren. We can speak to our students. We can speak to any individual and have enough confidence in the life that we live, not an arrogance, not an arrogance, but enough confidence to say, you know, I, I, want, you to, I want you to follow my example. I'm going to do my best to set that example. I want you to follow that example. And hopefully all of us can do that. 
But I also think it's important, and this kind of goes back to one of the first things I was saying. I, I do think it's important also to not only live a life that sets an example of faith, but I think there are times where it's important to be somewhat transparent with, with young people and let them understand, listen, the advice I'm giving you is because I've, I've made some of these same mistakes that I'm trying to keep you from making. I don't want you to be like Belshazzar. I, I've, I've made these mistakes. I've been in these situations. I know the pain it causes. I know the consequences. And if I can keep you from that, I'm going to keep you from that. Now, unfortunately, we know human nature, uh, apparently, is that we learn more from our own mistakes than we do the mistakes of others. Now, that's unfortunate. It is. It's unfortunate because if we were, like I say, I guess you call it wisdom, if we were wise enough to really examine the lives of others and learn from their mistakes, what would save a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm going to do everything I can to help those, uh, uh, th those younger than me, and I guess older, but I'm, I'm speaking specifically of my children and, and any other child, whatever age uh, that I come in contact with, I'm going to do my best to keep them from making those same mistakes I made. And I know some people say, well, listen, they're going to have to make their own mistakes. And, and that's partially true. They are. They're going to have to make their own mistakes and learn from their own mistakes. But at the same time, my responsibility, I believe, and yours, is to do everything in our power to keep them from making some of those same mistakes that we made. By, by setting an example of, of a good, good life, good living, but also by being honest enough to say, listen, I've been there. I know the consequences. It, I'll give you a quick example. Um, all of us know children. Allison don't want me to tell you the story. I'm going to tell it anyway, Allison. We had a, we've had a, a, a mouse problem recently. We had a, a, a mouse in our house. And uh, we set some traps out. <laughs> Sticky traps, I'm not a big fan of sticky traps because too much work to do after you get one call on a sticky trap. <laughs> that, that snap trap's the way to go. But it, anyway, we, we put out some... Well, that, well, you can just throw the whole snap trap away. That's true. But anyway, we had some... I call them snap traps. I don't know what you call them. But anyway, I had one behind the couch. And I was sitting in a chair watching TV. I believe it was Saturday. And Allison was at work, and Dory sometimes crawls behind that chair and plays. And I forgot I'd put a, a trap behind the couch. So she, it didn't, it didn't snap her. I'm gonna go ahead and go ahead and tell you, it didn't snap her, okay? But she walks out, and she said, "What, what this?" And I said, "No, no, 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 no." And I, I, I took it from her as quick as I could. Now it would be foolish for me to say. You just play with that. You'll find out what it is. You'll find out. You'll learn not to touch it again. You know what I mean? I mean, it, she would learn. If it snapped her finger, I doubt she would ever pick another one up. That's true. I doubt she would ever pick another one up. But it would be foolish, don't you think, for me to say, I'm going to teach her a lesson. She's gonna, she wants to play with that mousetrap. Let her go ahead and play with it. She wants to touch that hot stove? I'll show her. Let her touch that hot stove. She won't touch it again. And that's true. There's some truth to that. 
There is absolutely truth to that. Because uh, when you touch a hot stove, you don't, you don't touch it again. Because you learn. That's hot. That's right. And when you get your hand caught in a mousetrap, you probably not pick another one up. Okay? But at the same time, I, I think you understand the point. If I can keep her finger from ever getting caught in a mousetrap, I'm going to do that. If I can keep her from ever touching a hot stove, I'm going to do that. And I think that's the same way we should treat young people in, in, in life. And that is, listen, you learn from what I've done. Let me help you, and let me give you some advice. Let me give you some guidance based off of my life. I've done some good. I've done some bad. I can tell you the consequences of both if you would just listen. Now, are they always going to listen? Nope. I wish they would. But they won't. And therein comes the truth. Sometimes they're just going to have to learn on their own. But what's our responsibility? To run that race. To run it faithfully. Examine ourselves. Look, is there anything in my way? Not necessarily is it condemned by Scripture, but there is, is there anything that's weighing me down in my life? Is there anything that's an obstacle in my way that's going to block my path from running my race for Christ? And that's, that's the truth. It, life is, one thing stuck out to me, I mentioned this previously in the conversation, one thing stuck out to me at the Thanksgiving service, Mr. Bo mentioned, um, and I knew this, but I guess it just, I heard it and it, and it stuck with me. God is a, is a good God, and God can, can do all things. We know that, and we believe that. And there's so many people that suffer from sickness and illness, and there's so many times where we look and, and, and God, God may heal completely, and other times He may not. And I know it's easy to get I think sometimes we get angry. I know we do. I know we do. Sometimes we get angry and frustrated because we, we feel like sometimes people have passed on before we feel like they should have. And maybe they've gone through some struggles in life that we feel like they didn't deserve. And, and that's understandable. But he made a good point, and that is, if God chooses to heal, regardless of that fact, he, whether he does or he doesn't, it's only temporary. You know, me as a 33-year-old man, if I was to be stricken with the disease today and find out tomorrow and I have a week to live and then I find out the last day of that week that I, I have been completely healed of that and I live 80 more years. Well, at the end of that 80 years, my life is still going to come to an end. And the point that he made was life is, regardless of how long life is, is temporary. This life is. But there is a life that's eternal. There is, there is a life that's forever. And that's an assurance that we have. Christ may heal us temporarily. But we have the assurance of eternity with Christ. And that right there ought to be something that we share with people. Yes, he's good. Yes, he can heal. He can do all kind of wonderful things. But... There's something, there's a guarantee. I can't promise you that, that God's going to heal you. can't promise you that. I can promise you he can. But I can promise you that there's a salvation offered to you 
through Jesus Christ that's offered to all mankind. If you will humbly accept it, you have the assurance of salvation with Christ for eternity. Now that ought to be a message that we are proclaiming. That ought to be a message that we're excited about sharing. And that ought to make us want to run our race in such a way that we set an example for, for young people that come behind us to follow the example that we set in the race that we run. So, I close by repeating. That's all of us. Let's examine ourselves. Let's look. Let's see. We, we know what, we know what, I'm going to put it in quotation, we know what sin does. Sin does entangle us. We, we can identify sin. I challenge you to look for those things that may, that may be a, a, an extra weight. You don't want to run away, a, a race pulling a plow. That's a guarantee. You're not going to win that race. Look at those things that are, that are hindering you. And you may need to get rid of some of those things. I don't know what it might be. And, and I'm, of course, I'm speaking very much in general terms. No specifics. Because <laughs> you know your specifics, and I know my own specifics. But let's look at that. Let's examine ourselves and see. Is there anything that's keeping me from running the race that is set before me? And to close out, I, I do want to read right on through verse 3. Because we read through chapter 11. And we see all of these people that are great examples of faith and how it pleased God. And we see even there we picked up in 32, those he did, who he didn't really specifically talk about, but he, he said, listen, I could go on and on about this. Time would fail me. I ain't got enough time to tell you all this. But then he, I'm not going to say he closes, but going on to chapter 11, it mentions, and we all know this, but he mentions the greatest example of faith, and that is that of Jesus Christ. The greatest example is that of Christ. And we look at these verses. I'm going to read verse 1 again. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here it is. Fixing or focusing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who was in who endured, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Let's consider the example that Christ has set. Let's read that verse again. Verse 3. Not only should we consider all these who come behind us, or come before us, I'm sorry, all those who have come before us, whether it be those in Scripture, whether it be those in our own life, let's consider all those, but it also says in verse 3, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. So let's remember that. Let's remember those verses. Let's look at ourselves, let's examine ourselves, and hopefully one day those who come behind us will find us faithful. They will look at us and say, listen, we've had such a great cloud of witnesses also. Let me tell you about uh, so-and-so. Let me tell you about my, my father. What a man of faith he was. Let me, let me tell you about my mother, my grandmother, 
my uncle, my pastor. Let me tell you about my teacher, my coach. Let me tell you, that was a person of faith. That was, that was a woman of faith. What an example she set. What an example he set. Now, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they can say that about us, you know, when that time comes. Hopefully they can say that about us right now, but hopefully that's the type of stuff that's spoken of us. Not for our own pride, obviously, but that means if that's the case, I believe that means we've run our race well. I believe that means we've set the right example. I believe that means we've glorified Christ. I believe that's what that means. If they can look at us and say, what a person of faith. What an example to follow. I believe that means we've glorified Christ in, in the way that we should. I told you it was going to be just a few minutes. It, and, and I'm going to close with that. I'll tell you what I had originally planned. Uh, Alice and I had talked. And we were going to sing tonight. We were actually going to have a, a shorter devotion than that. And sing. She and I, me, Allison and I were going to sing. Just one? No, we were going to sing as a group. I, I'm not going to make you do that tonight, but we were going to sing as a group. I, I stood up Sunday. This is speaking personally. Now, this is not speaking to the congregation, so don't you take this personal, okay? This is speaking personally. We were singing, and I don't even remember the song we sang. But I, I was convicted because I stood up and we were singing and I, I yawned and I stood and, and I was singing. And then it hit me. I said, is this, is this really what God wants? Is this what he desires for me to stand up and go through the motions of singing a hymn? And the answer, everybody knows, no, that is not. The purpose of us singing as a congregation is as an individual or a congregation, and I love singing as a congregation and individual, um, but as a congregation because you can't be heard as much, but I love singing together as a congregation. It is truly, it's supposed to be praise and worship. Praise unto God whom is worthy and a way of worshiping him. And I was convicted. I, I stood there, and, and about midway through that song, it hit me. And I don't, I assume, I'm just saying, I assume it was the Spirit that was saying, this is not what I desire. For you to stand up and go through the motions of singing a song. You're not even paying attention to the words. I believe those, I'm not going to call this Scripture, but I believe these, these songs were inspired. Scripture was inspired by the Spirit, and, and these songs were inspired by Scripture. So I believe, I heard a pastor say one time, and I, I, I don't know, you, you can tell me if you agree with this, Dr. Blank, but um, taking the Lord name, Lord's name in vain is, is using it in an empty way, uh, using it without the, the meaning that it was intended. And I think we can be guilty of that singing, singing hymns. We're doing it in vain, emptily. Emptily, I guess is the right way to say it. Doing, doing it in the wrong way. And that's, that, in a way, I, I, I agree, is that's, that's taking his name in vain. That's just going through the motions, not, not caring about really what I'm saying or what I'm reading. Just doing it. I don't think that's what God desires. So that was what we were going to do and sing with a joyful heart and sing uh, with a heart of, of, of praise. And a heart of worship. But instead of doing that tonight, I just encourage you. And like I say, I wasn't, I'm not speaking to you all now. 
that was a, a personal thing. Now, if that applies to you too, then, then shame on you. No, I, if it applies to you, then listen, that's, I, I, I'm sure there's others in this church that feel the same way I do, I do about you know, what I felt Sunday. Now, the, the shame there would be if I continued on there and, and said, you know, I, I'm, it, it isn't important. It, I think it is important. I think it is important. So examine yourself. That's right. So that's what we were going to do. And we decided not to do it. Or I decided not to do it. But anyway, I appreciate the opportunity to, to, to share. I, I know it was short. Um, and I know it was very, it wasn't very specific. I, I spoke in general terms. I understand that. But uh, again, it's just something we can look at as individuals and examine ourselves and ask this question. Uh, am I running the race as I should? Let's, let's take uh, prayer requests, and then we will close in prayer. I want to give a praise first, and I think I can give this praise. I'm going to give it. Miss Monica Wack is cancer-free. She has, Miss Frank, you may know more specifics than I do. I don't know how long she's been going through treatments. But I think she found out today her results came back and she is cancer free. Does she have any more treatments left or are you, do you know? Okay. Ms. Kim Driggers told me that and I think I, I don't see why it would be a problem to repeat it. So I'm going to. That's right. Well, I think we should too because I know a lot of people have prayed for her and the Lord has answered prayer there. She has. She is cancer free, so that's a praise. Any prayer request? Okay. Tom, brother. That was the nephew. Yes. Okay. Dr. Walls said. Any others? Hugh Smith. Hugh Smith, yeah. I have not heard any. any what, what's the latest report on Hugh? 
What's the, what's the latest report on Hugh? Miss Gladys. Gladys coming in with the deal that was put up. She was back to cardiac surgery tomorrow to uh, check out her blood. But uh, the pace rate is that uh, it is still pressure needs for healing. And whether that is permanent or whether it's chronic is going to have to check. It's great to see these patients. others? Okay. I assume we all have unspoken. Um, I'm going to mention here again, I, I, I don't know if I was supposed to mention this or not. Um, I didn't mention it last Wednesday and, and I need you to correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. Um, Mr. Danny Prince, what did they diagnose Mr. Danny with? Leukemia. Mr. Danny Prince, is, 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 I don't know how recently that was. I, I found out uh, early last week, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday, and I, I did not mention last Wednesday, that Mr. Danny Prince was diagnosed with leukemia. So we need to remember him and his family. That's right. I, I read that email today also. Um, said he fell off a roof today. Is that correct? Yesterday. And have you heard anything else this afternoon? But yeah, we need to we need to pray for. Um, what's Miss Sherry's daddy's name? Mr. George. Mr. George. You did see for each other. Lessons from others. What, what's Mr. George's last name? I know it's not Sims. Springs. Okay. All right. Were there any others?
Oh, yeah, okay. All right. Uh, I guess we can we can group up into maybe two groups. <laughs>